the Movement Brainery. Welcome to Thoughtlight, a forum for spotlighting ideas, reflections, or thoughts from physical therapy leaders and thinkers across the world. I'm Seth Peterson of the Movement Brainery, but on this show, you won't always be hearing from me. These thought lights are brief, bite-sized nuggets driven by the guests themselves. Each episode of the show includes information or an idea meant to make you a better clinician, person, or thinker. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey guys, man, it's been a while since I've done one of these thought lights, uh, but I had to jump on. Um, I don't know if you caught it. I had was having a kind of vigorous discussion this week on social media, and it was just something that I'm extremely passionate about, and I had to do a thought light about it. If you're in our Facebook group, Mindful Clinicians, I also did a video demonstration video, so you can actually see what I'm talking about in this thought light. But What I'm going to talk about today is something that I think gets maybe overlooked in physical therapy or people just assume that it's happening. I can tell you that it's not. I've gone through fellowship training. Again, these are people that are super motivated in physical therapy. One out of 200 PTs actually go ahead and do fellowship training. And even in the fellows you don't consistently see this. And the fellows in training, I mean, a lot of the times it's like a dumpster fire when it comes to thinking about what you're doing in manual therapy. I know that there's a paper that's forthcoming on this as well, so keep a lookout for that. Um, that's pretty much all I'm going to say as far as that goes. But I wanted to explain in this thought like what my process is for th- what's going through my mind when I'm doing a manual therapy technique. My impression of of what I heard this past week was that because the neurophysiological effects are the same, regardless of which treatment you do, then it doesn't matter as long as it feels good to the patient, it doesn't make them worse. I think that's a reasonable thing, making someone feel good, not making them worse. Those are things that we should shoot for. But what's actually going through your head to make that happen? It sounded like in the initial post that it was just, well, you rub on them in a way that feels good. And then that's it. And if it doesn't, you move on to something different. And look, I I, I understand and I appreciate that we don't want to overburden people with these complex and frankly BS, disproven biomedical positional faults and stuff like that as far as what's happening in the spine. We know that that's not what's happening with manual therapy, but if all you're thinking about is just, does it feel good and does it make them worse? I think you're missing the potential to help a whole lot of your patients. And I'll explain what is going through my mind. So when I see a patient in the patient history already, I'm a fan of thinking about the SINS model, right? So severity, irritability, nature, stage, and stability. So you can develop an, a an idea of how willing you are to provoke that patient's symptoms, whether that's in the actual physical examination or in the treatment. Then as you go on and you start to ask the patient to move, or you're starting to do passive range of motion, say patient handling with the shoulder, 
how are you going to hold the shoulder? How careful are you going to be? Part of what factors into that are the patient's sins. And part of what you look at is based on what the patient's presentation is, what their comparable signs are, or what brings on their symptoms. So if a patient's really cranky, if they're really severe and irritable, and their symptoms get brought on with lifting their arm, I'm probably not going to do that first thing because you know what? It might get, it might limit severely what I can do the rest of the examination. So I'm going to think about how I organize things, right? Then let's say I decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and treat something that I think is relevant. In this video, I talked about the hip. So I'm going to stick with that for the purposes of this. So let's say um, I have a patient, Miss Jones, that has pain in the front of her hip at the terminal stance phase of gait. And I know, well, probably what I suspect to see is there might be a limitation in hip extension and internal rotation that matches up with when she has symptoms. So let's say I find that. I have to ask as I go through the examination, are, is, that, is what I'm finding in her hip relevant to what her symptoms are? And if I do, let's say that I'm going to go ahead and treat that. So I have her, everyone's seen this, the whole long axis thing. That's kind of why I, I use this as the example where you pull on the hip at the ankle. So in theory, right, this, the idea with this is you're distracting the hip joint. There's probably not a lot of movement happening here unless you do a, a high velocity thrust, but, and even then it's not a ton of movement. But regardless, we know that it can be helpful for patients with hip arthritis, for example, Okay, so let's say I'm doing that and I decide with this patient based on everything that I found before that I'm gonna ease into this because she has, um, I'm, I'm suspicious or wary of reproducing her symptoms because I'm suspicious that they might last a little longer than I want. So we might say that her, her irritability is higher than I want. So I might choose, hey, I'm gonna move this hip into a position where it feels like it wants to move right? Maybe that's the open pack position for her, wherever that is, where it feels good to her. But let's say when I'm doing that, she still has symptoms in the front of her hip when I apply the force. Okay. So I might ask, okay, what happens when I release that force? She says it goes away. That's a clinical decision at that point where I have to decide, okay, well, maybe in that instance, I'm going to do that because I know that it goes away. And I'm just going to see what happens as I continue to do it. And I might feel that her hip starts to loosen up. And I say, Miss Jones, how does it feel now when I do that? Do you still have that symptom when I apply the force? And she says, no. So then I might decide to move her hip into a more um, comparable or provo potentially provocative position. Let's say her symptoms come back when I do that. Same thing. Maybe I decide that I'm going to go ahead and do that. And let's say the same thing happens. And then we recheck her range of motion. Let's say she has more extension and internal rotation. In my mind, I would hypothesize that when, when I have her stand up and have her walk, she, she's going to have less symptoms at that terminal stance phase of gait where those movement, where that movement's required. Okay. Right. So th this is the thinking that is happening. Okay. Let's say I'm working with Miss Jones hip and she starts to say, Hey, um, I say, Ms. Jones, uh, do you have any symptoms right now? Yes, I, I do. It's a little different. Okay, what do you feel? Where is it? 
Well, now I feel something in my calf. What does that feel like? It feels like some burning in my calf. Okay, that's not what I would expect. Is that is that something different? Maybe now we're dealing with a different condition. I might back off and then take a few steps back and rethink, what am I doing? Why? Maybe even potentially rethink, hey, is this a lumbar radiculopathy that I missed? This isn't rocket science to the point of some of these people on social media, right? This isn't rocket science, but this does not get done in the clinic. I can guarantee you from videos that I've seen, people are not doing this. Right? This takes consistent practice. And it's great to list a study of, of manual therapy that you saw, some randomized control trial. That's great. High level of evidence. Are they employing that level of clinical reasoning in the RCT? No, they are not. The majority of those are prescriptive RCTs. We know from a paper done this year, published this year, I believe in JOSPT, they're 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 not pragmatic studies. So you can't even begin to have this adaptive approach in a prescriptive RCT. In a pragmatic study, do you think this is happening consistently? I'm, I'm not so sure. I mean, I think the treatment fidelity in that, if you had this level of, of thinking going on and adapted uh, treatment to the patient, is that really what's happening in the majority of clinicians, period? I don't know. I mean, I think you could develop a, a design where maybe you did this, but that doesn't really exist right now. So again, stepping back and asking, is using our brain in treatment ever a bad thing? No, I don't think it is. Is it complicated? I don't know. Is this really that complicated? Probably not, but it requires a lot of clinical decisions that are being made. It's not just, does it hurt? afterward. If you ask the patient, does it hurt afterward? And that's it. You're going to miss a whole heap of patients that you have the potential to help. You're going to flare up a whole lot of patients as well. So if that's what you want to do at the end of the day, you're going to walk away and think manual therapy does suck. Well, it's because you're not thinking about how you're applying it. It's the same thing with an exercise. If you have a patient do 10 squats and then afterward ask them, did that hurt? Well, yeah, my knees hurt the whole time. I mean, it makes no sense to me to say let's dumb down our thinking as we do treatment. Especially as the complexity of the patient goes up, we need to think harder, be more diligent about what we're doing. What we're thinking about is different than what we historically have thought about. It's more about patient response. It's not about mechanical stuff and you know what's happening at the at the joint and tissue level you know and I'll, I'll I'll say a lot of people were onto that historically as well I think McKinsey and and uh, Mulligan is primarily based on patient response so look it's not rocket science people aren't doing this this approach in the clinic again you can ask people in fellowship training is this routinely done the answer is no and I want to challenge you, if you are a clinician and you see patients, to start to think a little bit more deeply about what you're doing and what's the patient response. Go beyond just, does it hurt, right? I gave just a couple examples. This was a quick one as far as the hip goes. 
I could go into it. And again, like I said, there's, there's a paper coming out that'll kind of have some more detail about what people think as far as it comes to critical thinking when applying manual therapy, but this should be critical thinking that just, you know, you is infusing your entire life in the clinic. So it doesn't ever stop. doesn't stop when you do manual therapy. That's for sure. All right, guys, have a great day. Thanks for listening. That's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. And I would really appreciate it if you could take just two seconds to leave a review down below and share this episode with someone you know. Also, the Movement Brainery is hosting courses online and in person this year. Punch over to themovementbrainery.com and check us out. Or join our Facebook community, Mindful Clinicians. Thanks for listening. Stay strong.